Welcome to Smalltalk Reflections, a weekly podcast for discussing and promoting the Smalltalk programming language. On this episode, we interview Stefan Ducasse about Faro. My name is David Buck, and with me today is Craig Lara. Hi there. And Stefan Ducasse. Hello, everybody. Stefan, uh, you've been involved with Faro for some time. Tell us uh, what Faro is and what it's all about. Where did it come from? At the beginning, Faro was a, is a fork of Squeak, an open source small talk. And now this is a reinvention of small talk. Let's say it like that. So the, the goal of Faro, this is to uh, revisit the small talk uh, foundation. So for example, to give you a concrete example, what we want to have, we want to have a first class instance variable. And in Faro 4, we start to have that. And this is something that is not in the small talk language, but this is something that's bring a lot of opportunity. For example, in a couple of uh, lines of code and a new class, you can get a data flow model, for example, for your instance variable. So, and the goal of Faro is really to uh, create an ecosystem where innovation can bloom. So by, by ecosystem, what I mean, I mean that uh, we can have uh, companies, university with teachers and uh, research groups together to invent new things so and we are really really um, we we pay a real attention that people can make money with Faro so this means that everybody is completely open source this is MIT and we are really focused on that so it's a, a totally free version of, uh, of Smalltalk and in fact you're going beyond the original Smalltalk language uh, into uh, you know, new features that Smalltalk never had Yes, exactly. And we are revisiting. So, for example, we are working on a new module system where class extensions are, scope, are scoped to the package that extends them. So it's not ready yet, but this is really... So we are re really revisiting the, the language concept in a 2015 point of view or 2020 point of view. So what kinds of platforms does Faro run on? So it runs on, uh, on Mac, Windows, several Linux, uh, iOS, and Android, and also uh, Rasp. A Raspberry Pi. Yes. So uh, you have um, the mobile versions as well for uh, iOS and Android. That's very interesting. What kinds of uh, projects are people doing in Faro these days? What kinds of work are they doing? So the I guess that the majority is redoing uh, complex web dynamic web application. So a typical example, this is a yes plan. For example, this is a system to support uh, the organization of events like jazz festivals and things like that. So where people have to allocate resources, people, uh, rooms, uh, schedule in parallel. So you have really this, this uh, kind of uh, web application, which are really advanced. And after you have also people that are doing uh, more desktop-like or server-based server applications that are REST-based, for example, with the Seaside REST, or with, uh, uh, you have also companies like Beta9, where they use Faro for all their uh, 
servers. So this is this is diverse, but I think that a, a big attractor this is the web part with a seaside, because Faro has a, also a really a really nice uh, web stack with uh, Mongo support like Voyage that abstract over Mongo with uh, Zinc with uh, all the um, JSON LDAP kind of uh, layer and uh, and the different seaside or uh, REST solution on the top. So you mentioned Seaside. Um, Seaside is a uh, web framework for uh, various versions of Smalltalk, including Faro. That's, uh, that, is that the main uh, web platform used by Faro? Yes, principally. After what people, what people can do. And um, so it was released in the past, but there was not enough uh, advertisement. There is Reef. Reef, this is a, an extension of Seaside that is really interesting because Reef encapsulates uh, JavaScript. So this means that you have Seaside component and instead of hacking the JavaScript or manipulating strings to have the JavaScript effect, you this JavaScript effect, they are embedded into your component. So for people that really want a really fast uh, web application, Reef is really interesting. With Reef, you can also control if the request will be handled on the server or on the client. So, so this is still a server-side uh, solution, but you can control the dynamicity aspect. And if necessary, you can really dive into the uh, generation of uh, JavaScript like in plain Seaside. And then what the people are doing now, they also uh, interface with Ember. So this means that they use uh, Ember for the client side and Faro for the server for the server side. This year there was a presentation on Tide. Tide is a framework that supports the communication between the server side and the client side with Ember and especially in the context of uh, the the fact that JavaScript is more asynchronous. So how can you control the asynchronicity and that you don't have to, to code your web application in a kind of uh, continuation passing styles and things like that. So with, with Tide, you can code your web application like nearly a normal desktop application and then you have the, you have the web, but you, you are on the client side. You, you've mentioned Amber. Amber Smalltalk, um, can you explain a little bit about what that is, just so that people have uh, some context for that? So, so Amber Smalltalk, this is a Smalltalk that is developed in JavaScript and uh, compiled to JavaScript. So it's a completely JavaScript implementation of Smalltalk Yes, that you interface to from Faro. That's pretty cool. Is Faro a compiled language or is it an interpreted language? <laughs> That's a nice question. So for me, uh, you see, I always say that uh, Smalltalk is a compiled language because at the end you compile bytecode that generate assembly. <laughs> but some people think that it's interpreted, but in that case, Java is interpreted. So we can say that Faro is as compiled than Java. Right. It's not a very clear question these days. The border is always strange because even when you compile in C or in assembly, after you have different layers on top or below the register and things like that. So, but, but I think that the key message is that uh, the execution model of Smalltalk is exactly the same as the one of Java with a runtime uh, 
or runtime system and manage memory. And this is the same technology. We generate assembly code on the fly. So uh, with Faro, do you have optimizations to uh, sort of dynamically compile to the native platform? Yes. So basically, you have a you have a just-in-time translation, a JIT, that will generate uh, assembly for certain methods. So this is a, a normal JIT technology. Now, uh, in the future, the future is really exciting because there are two main efforts that are really uh, interesting. So Elliot Miranda that uh, wrote several virtu industrial virtual machines is really delivering COG. And what isn't really interesting in COG is that first you have a SPUR. SPUR, this is a new garbage collector and a new object format. And when we are doing benches, when, they are, when you take a non-optimized code, you can get a factor three to four. And that's wow. really exciting. And on top of that, what we are planning, we have uh, Clément Berra, which is uh, an engineer paid in our team. And now that he started to do a PhD, so he's co-supervised with uh, by uh, Elliot. And what uh, Clément is working on is, um, is a code transformation on the fly. So this means that the normal JIT will just take the methods if the method has certain characteristics, it will just generate assembly code for this method. Now, what Clément is working on, this is called Sista. Sista is inlining on the fly certain methods to increase the speed and optimize the closure, and and they expect to have a factor two in, on top of the on top of the speed up of uh, Spur. And this means that this is really interesting because like that we will have a real VM architecture. So you can, the there, uh, Clément is writing a really nice blog that explains all the optimization, also the um, the new pure format and everything that he understands on the virtual machine. It will be probably turned into a book in the future. So the his blog is really didactic and really worth to read. Hmm. Faro is running on Cog huh, since a couple of years now. We have a version of Spur that is working, so we can do some benchmarks and things like that. Now we plan to have a full version in July because we have to... In fact, one of the problems that we have is that our FFI is based on native boost and native boost generate assembly code on the fly. And now we really want to have Spur by changing the object format requires that we change native boost. This is what we are doing now. What is the integration timeline for Spur for Faro? Spur is working in Faro, so the guys they can do benchmarks, and that's why we we, we saw that we have a, a factor four on certain normal program, and not because often what people do when they do a benchmark they they do a benchmark on already optimized code, so this means that you don't see a big factor. But to, I mean by optimized, I mean that you use a to do instead of a do or a collect so this means that so when you when you write a normal program with uh, do and collect then the results are much more interesting so now we are working on spur with faro for uh, july so the idea is that faro 4 will be released first week of april and then there will be a 
Summer Edition with, uh, with Spur for Faro 4 and Spur for Faro 5. The, the idea is not to delay the, the release of Faro because this is one year of work that has been accumulated, so we should not mix things together. So we, we plan to do it like that. The current effort, this is that the FFI of Faro is based on Native Boost. Native Boost, this is a library that generates assembly code on the fly, which it is really fast, but it means that it is depending on the platform. It is also depending on the fact that the, the, the memory structure of the platform is read-write. And so that's why typically Native Boost does not work on iOS because iOS forbid these kinds of structure. And Spur changed the format of objects, so we have to change and adapt Spur. And we are taking the, the possibility to remove the dependency to Native Boost. So what we are redoing right now, what Esteban is doing right now, this is to use the default FFI that you can find in COG, but to propose to use the syntax of Native Boost because the syntax of Native Boost is really nice and to support the fact that we can have different backends. One backend would be Native Boost once it is ported to Spur, and the other one is the, the FFI provided by COG. So that's why we are delaying to July. I'm James D. Savage, and this is the Smalltalk Jobs Report. Sydney, Australia. Sustainability Consulting is looking for a Smalltalk developer who is highly experienced in Smalltalk development is an excellent object-oriented programmer and an excellent business communicator. It is considered a plus if you have commercial experience in the financial industry. Lannister, Ireland, possibly Dublin. Dell is looking for a software developer advisor who has experience with Unix and Linux, Smalltalk, excellent knowledge in Gemstone and Oracle, has excellent SQL and or PLSQL knowledge, good MQ series, and SFTP knowledge. They would also like experience with Java, HTML, and JavaScript knowledge, good understanding of ITIL practices, and fluency in English language. It is considered a plus if you are familiar with various application architectures, from client-server to multi-tier web application architectures, and have experience working with large-scale transaction and reporting applications. Buenos Aires, Argentina. JP Morgan is looking for a capital financial developer, associate, who has experience with application development using object-oriented technology, Smalltalk, Java, C-sharp, Python, etc., preferably on large-scale systems. Previous experience of financial services, preferably in investment banking, good communication and organization skills, and is self-motivated to learn and ask questions to produce the best technology solutions. The jobs listed in support are just a few examples of the small talk positions that are currently open across the world. For more details, read our shared blog at smalltalkjobs.com. Good luck with your job hunting. So how many people do you have working on the Faro base at this point? Do you have any idea of how many people are involved? I think that we have something like 50 active committers. Wow. So in our team, we have one paid engineer. This is Esteban Lorenzano. He pays attention to the release and to all the platform that we support. And we have another engineer that is working on the integration platform. So 
build the inner infrastructure for continuous integration and then we use that a lot so he's working on on faro too so basically this is two engineers in our, inside our team but after we have really people that we never met that provide really excellent quality code and i would say that in general 50 people yeah um, so if anybody is interested in contributing to faro how would they go about doing that ah, yes so that's a really important message for us uh, I often say that Faro is yours. What it means? It means that for us, it is really important that we continuously improve the infrastructure. Having a better compiler, we completely rewrote the old one. Having a better file structure, so now we use a file system and this is really nice. So we are systematically reusing, re-implementing, uh, re revisiting the decision to have an infrastructure, so a system where people can build their future. An example, we have uh, Thales, which is a, a company in France doing uh, weapon, uh, army, uh, things like that. And they use Smalltalk to do uh, uh, radar, software for manipulating radar. And they want to use Faro. And what they ask us, they ask us, okay, can we do 3D? Can we do event touch system and things like that? And we really want to have these hooks into the system. So, to reply to your question now, this is really simple. People can just join the mailing list or add bug entries or announcement to the bug uh, tracker. They should sign the license agreement because all the code is MIT and we track. So, people should sign a one-page document that says that they give the code to the, cons the Faro Consortium. And I will mention what is the Faro Consortium after. And we review the code. We have also a robot that crawl the bug uh, uh, fix or the announcement that check if they load, if they do not break the system. And then after we review the code. And usually when a change improves the system, it has a really high chance to get integrated. And from that perspective, this is what I said to the people. I said, Faro is yours in the sense that if you spend half an hour a week improving it, you can get an impact because we will pay attention to your changes. So sometimes we will refuse, we will say, no, no, that will not get in. But you will know why and we will discuss it on the mailing list and things like that. But this means that we value improvement, even small improvement. We really pay attention to that because we want to improve the system. Yes, something really important. I love this metaphor, in fact. This is that Faro is not our dream. This is what we have. And how I see the situation is that Faro, this is an autobus. We have an autobus full of people. You know this uh, English autobus with uh, two layers, two floors. Mm -hmm. So you should imagine that this is a, an autobus that is full of people at Amsterdam and it is going south. And when it arrives at Barcelona, it should be a jet. <laughs> and the key point is that we don't want to stop and say, OK, guys, we will stop for 10 years and we will build a great system. No, we will fix the bus while it is driving and at the end he will fly and Faro is flying so the, what is really interesting to see is that, that sometimes and more and more we don't have the time to be aware of everything that is happening around Faro for example people who are using the first class variable as soon as we publish the code they were using that we knew why we were doing that and they were smart enough to to use it well 
and to use it to build a data a data flow model for for certain user interface and said yes that's really cool because they understood really the power that we give them and this is already integrated into the next version of uh, the new tools like uh, gt inspector and uh, and uh, the new spotter uh, framework this is this uh, system that helps you to find information in the system Please tell us a bit more about the Faro Consortium. So the idea is that we created a, a, a legal entity that is now this is managed by Inria because they help us for the salary, for the uh, the bills and the contract. We they they nicely provide us a lawyer and somebody that manage all the administrative tasks. So I thanks them for that because else that would be probably me. But the idea of the Faro Consortium is to provide a legal entity so that people can, companies can put money on the table to share and to pay uh, engineers. So the idea is that if we have 50 companies that pay 1,000 euros a year, we can pay a full-time engineer to improve Faro. And now we have this legal uh, umbrella that can manage that. And this is really important because what we want, we want to be able to, to give an insurance that Faro will continue to grow and that company can participate to that, to that growth. And you mentioned YesPlan. What other companies are using Faro? NetStyle, for example, in Switzerland, is doing all kinds of nice web applications. I saw that there is a company in Japan that is called Sorabito that is doing also web application for Caterpillar. And they, they use... A, Amazon Web Services and DynamoDB. There is a list. And by the way, now, if you go to the community web page on the Faro website and you have a list of universities, there are 23 universities that are teaching Faro. And uh, you have a couple of research groups, something like 15, 10 to 15 research groups and company. I collected, you see there is, for example, Synectic that is doing a Software analysis. So when you want to maintain, yeah, the story with Synectic is nice because this is this is a startup that I co-created. This is how do you make sure that if you are a big a company that has big software system written in all kinds of languages, how do you maintain them? Because maybe you invested fifteen years on the software system and maybe your engineer they left or they, your system has to adapt to the new world. So how do you do that? So. We build dedicated software for managing those large and important assets. And what is nice, for example, is that we sign a partnership with 4D. So 4D, this is a company that is doing a, a databases and you have a language around this database that is like a Pascal, where you can embed a table and forms. And they understood really something important. They understood that we can help them to propose tools to their client. You see, every time you use a strange language, people come to you and say, yes, you should use Java. Java is better. C Sharp is better. Everything else is better. So for this company, this is really a win-win situation because for us, we will have access to their clients. And for them, we offer tools so that their clients can maintain and improve their system. So like that, they will stay in their language. So, so that's, really, that's really nice. And I would have loved to do that with some certain small talk vendors, but they never understood it. So we did it with other people. 
Oh, I had a question back when you were talking about the module system. What is the module system called? And are there papers that we can read about it? We got a paper that got rejected. <laughs> so we should do a tech report so that people can read it. So basically, we were comparing um, class boxes, groovy category, uh, Ruby refinement. Even if I am one of the guys that invented class boxes, I was not really fond of it. You know, as a researcher, you are paid to have ideas. And then after, as a pharaoh responsible, I want real ideas that work for real, <laughs> that have been proven. Yeah. Often people confuse. This is not because we publish something, it should be used for real. Sometimes we, we publish an idea, and then after we revisit it and said, okay, it was, it was a nice idea, but I will not put it in my nice language. Well, that's, that's the essence of science in general. We pay attention. So the, the, the idea to move something from the research part to Pharaoh takes time. We are really careful about that. And when we do, when we do it, we know why, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why, for example, the, what we call slot first class uh, variable is important because we understand and we know exactly what we what we want to do, how we will package, what is the impact, and things like that. For class boxes, it's it's not something that we wanted to do. So to reply to your question, uh, we have a model that is close to selector namespace. So this means that basically you should think that your selector of your messages, it's like you prepend them with a namespace in which the code would live in. And then you have to pay attention because sometimes you can have uh, ambiguities. And in this model, what we want is that the class extension are only visible to the module to the module that defines them. But you see, if we want to put that in production, you have to pay attention because maybe we have to revise the IDE, we have to revise the refactorings, and it's some work. But right now, right now, Camille Teruel, this is his PhD can have the complete Faro system within his module system without any problem. In fact, he found some misclassification of class extension in the system, but beside that, this is, this is working. So we, now what we have to do, we have to evaluate, do we use it for real or not? And how much engineering effort do we put on the table to do that? Well, very good. Well, thank you very much, Stefan. Um, I think I'll wrap it up here. Uh, is there anything else, Craig, you wanted to ask? I was just wondering, Stefan, if you had more visions of the flying future that you were talking about before. Yes. You see, there are really different topics that, for me, are really exciting. So we have the complete bootstrap of Faro nearly done. So we could bootstrap different kernels of different flavors of subset of Faro. So one that is called Candle that was based on MicroSqueak, where we have something like 50 classes. When we take Faro, we have 200, 300 classes that we can bootstrap and build the system from. So this means that in the future, I really want to have a system that can be built from its source. Right. A bootstrap gives really nice property. You don't have that code. You exercise the system each time you boot it or each time you create a new kernel, a new image. You can change your kernel and not by just modifying object, but by modifying source code that you can version. So 
we really want to have this bootstrap in production. What it implies, it implies that all the packages that compose Faro right now should be part of a configuration that will describe the dependency that all the packages have together. So like that, we can have a really modular system. And this is something that I dream since eight, 10 years. So we are doing it. Pavel Krivanek was doing that, trying to have a kernel and he got a kernel that was three megabytes. And now we have nearly the same, but based on the, on the bootstrap. So what Pavel was doing, he was shrinking the system to produce a small image. And what we are doing, we are building a small image from the source. And we were working on this infrastructure. Now on the side, a bit similarly to what you did, Craig, on Spoon, we have a Tornado. This is the idea that we can take an expression and based on this expression, we can build a minimal image. And this is interesting because we can create images that are 11K. So 11K, this means that we could have what we call dust. This is images that are so small that they are low, that they are smaller than any resources on our file system nowadays. I hope that we will put that in production soon. Now for the future, what we would really like, we would really like to have more image as services. So this means that a system that is really more distributed with a remote debugging. There is also something that is really interesting. Uh, this was this uh, squeak of Faro no OS because we could have really interesting system for the cloud. We've also the technology that Clement and uh, Elliot are bringing into play with Sista. So this means that with Sista, with an image, we could freeze a system that is hot in the sense of the optimization. So this means that we could execute the system. It is optimized. We save it as, a, as an image and we can boot it really fast and we are full speed in the optimization. So that all these things are interesting because on one hand you have the, the virtualization with a system like uh, Squeak or Faronos. We will see what will happen. You have also a Sista with this hot optimization that we could bring back. And we have uh, also the, the bootstraps where we could really have a modular system with really tiny images. So for example, one guy already did a Faro into Docker. So this means that Faro should also be able to, to deploy into the application virtualization system and things like that. So this is really interesting. I'm also curious to see what will happen around the farocloud.com. We will offer a services to Faro people of the Faro Association, if I remember correctly, so that they can get a free hosting for their application on Faro Cloud and the association will pay the, the machine behind. We are also paying attention to books. We have three books in the pipeline. We are updating the Faro by example book so that people can start with a version that is synchronized. We have a web tutorial that is on the way where people will play with a MongoDB and a Seaside application and REST and things like that. We have a book that is on web technologies where with uh, Zinc REST, the encoding, uh, all kinds of things like that, uh, CVS, every, every technology that is around the web and a couple of others. We really believe in books and in documentation, so we are actively doing that. We started also to think about a MOOC. This means that to structure and to give to the university a complete set of slides 
with the lecture, with the video, with some exercises. And again, we are doing that open source. So this means that people will be able to contribute. But first, we try to give a, a good basis so that people can, can take everything. Well, it certainly helps people get started into uh, Faro if they can... Uh... If they can pick up books and documentation, and uh, that certainly helps them out. This is already the case, and people often use uh, my slides that are open source or Creative Commons, or the one of Oscar Nierstrass that are also based a bit on mine. And but what we want to do this is to make sure that we that we have a, a database of slides that people can use with videos and. It will take time. It will take time because the the video recording should be done by professional people. So we are applying to organizations in France that can support us. But this is really something that is interesting because people in Africa are also interested to use Faro. So we are building networks around uh, academia. An important message is that if all the small talkers would push in the same direction, So this means let's reinvent the future. Let's reinvent our future. Because Alan Kay said that the best things to predict the future, this is to invent. We want to reinvent small talk. If Excellent. everybody would spend one hour a week, we could really have a much, much better system. And Faro is there for that. So we don't do Faro for ego. I have something else to do. We do Faro because we love small talk and we want to make it really stronger because we are in competition with Lua, Python, JavaScript. And this is really important. So, so my message is that everybody can help us to improve the system. Well, thank you very much, uh, Stefan. That's uh, very exciting stuff that's going on. You can email us at smalltalkreflections at thiscontext.com. You can tweet me with at fuckdk. And you can tweet to me at C-C-R-R-A-A-I-I-G-G. You can visit our blog at smalltalkreflections.blogspot.ca and leave a comment there. And you can post a review on iTunes. Thank you very much, Stefan, for your time. Thanks. Craig performed the music and edited the podcast, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.